Hello, and welcome back to the Rainy Night Radio. This is part two of my podcast with Miles on childhood and the passive time. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the Rainy Night Radio. Well, there's a, there's a story called The Egg about this sort of being that is every human who has ever lived will ever live mm-hmm. or, you know is living now is is all sort of reincarnation of this one this one being yeah and and the idea is that i don't know i I think there's really something very to be said about definitely the implications of like how we treat each other yeah but to me that the thing that really stuck out to me most about that story was just that there would be something so amazing about getting to live another person's life yeah Um, yeah. And then really, yeah. Um, so with me, I've actually thought about that a lot. Um, in terms of, I've had this view, which, like, it's not my particular view about things, but one thought I've had is, like, what if I'm going to live every single life, every single person's life? I'll be Miles Gancher, I'll be Jasper Vasklausner, I'll be every person that's existed and lived out their whole life. Um, what that's done for me is created a lot more empathy, I guess, in my life when I, like, hold that particular view. Because when I think about, it, like, you know how people say, like, do on to others as you would do to yourself? Yeah. Like, sure, normally that seems like, like, whenever I've heard that saying, I'll just, like, usually in the past, like, laugh it off and be like, oh, that's some, like, high high road moralistic bullshit that people just say (laughs) but if you think about literally of you living the life of the person like let's say you're being shitty to a person if you like think in your mind of you living their exact life um and being who they are and just having yourself like if you envision yourself in the third person in that way like i don't know if you've ever done that but, like, envision yourself as a third person and, like, envision yourself as someone else interacting with yourself as a third person. Um, yeah. That, that's really interesting. And for that reason, I really, like, empathize with all people to some extent. No, I it, think that's such a like, good way of living. Like, if everyone lived like that, the world would be a much better place. But the problem, Miles, with me, like, logically, that's, like, deep down in my heart, I hold that view of, like, empathizing with everyone. But I'm still, like, a slave to, like, my emotions, to my reactions. If my dog's barking at me, I'm going to get upset. I'm, I'm probably going to, like, yell at it. If it, like, eats my food, I'm going to get really pissed. I'm going to, like, throw it across the room. <laughs> like, not, not not to hurt it. I'm not a dog abuser. <laughs> Just take it away. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, when I sit back and think about this stuff, it's much easier than when I'm in the moment. So one problem I've, yeah. like, struggled with is, like, sure, like, I have this view of, like, all this stuff, and it's, like, a great way of thinking, I believe, especially with so much hate and all that in the world um, from all people. But when you're in the moment, like, in something that's like, triggers your anger, triggers your, like, sadness, triggers, like, um, like some shitty thing inside of you to go off, it's so easy to just, like, be in the moment, you know what I mean? And in the same way you're addicted to so many things, like dopamine, like I've said in the Boredom podcast, in some ways, like, anger is, like, an addiction that you need to stop, and how, like, when you 
get angry, like, unless if, like, you slowly train yourself to, like, recognize anger and not just, like, in the moment, like, anger precedes thought, if you know what I mean. Like, you can't think through logically, like, you know what, I'm just gonna take the high road in this sense, I'm not gonna get upset at my dog or whatever, but, like, it's difficult to develop that habit just in the same way it's difficult to get off your phone for forever or to start reading or all that stuff. I know I've no, said I, a lot. I totally but... agree with that. And I think the thing about anger is, like, one of the things I've noticed is that whenever I, if I, like, hurt myself, my immediate response is to get angry. If I stub my toe, if I whatever get cut and i find that so interesting that even if i'm if i'm having a conversation with someone and it's a nice conversation mm-hmm. and then i get a paper cut i'm so much more likely to find what they're saying really annoying and to be curt with them and just to tie that into growing up i think that is that part of what growing up for me at least has been is it has given me the ability maybe not to sort of talk myself out of it but to really recognize where feelings come from and, and how my mind works. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of what growing up is, it's two things. It's one of them is understanding your own mind. Mm-hmm. And the other is empathy, is you understand other people's minds. You feel with them. Yeah. And so I think I think that, you know, and I think part of that does come from just all of these, this, these memories and these, this understanding that other people are living the same way that you are. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's really, I mean, you notice it with these kids, like I was in the preschool, and they'll have these moments where they they look in the mirror, and they're like, that's me. And they say it in this way that's sort of half surprised, but also half not really getting what's going on, if yeah. that makes any sense. And yeah, then yeah. When, when they sort of grow, like, I think every, every teenager or preteen or whatever has had those moments where they sort of come into their own self-awareness, you know, where you realize, where you really feel like this is me in this body. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like, um, the association of your mind and your body being one that comes with age. Yeah. 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 And I think that's part of what gives us empathy, you know, the realization that everyone else is sort of this, this mind body sort of trying to trying to figure out the world mm. yeah yeah I like that as a kid you had you had so many things that were different I'd say like your mind wasn't fully matured to where you are today in terms of like like you're saying like you could look in the mirror um, and really like see yourself and not know who you were everything you saw is like learning new things so I feel like there's a real difference from where you were then to where you are now. So I feel like the freedom as a child you had, to some extent, you can't hold yourself to the same standard of reaching that freedom and ease that you have back then today, now that you've like reached the point where you like your mind's matured, I guess, and you've like opened your eyes to the world around you. You know what I mean? I definitely find that with imagination. Like when I was a child, I could just, I could imagine anything. I could, I would play games with my siblings where we would just like pretend to be these totally, these like whatever Pokemon or we'd yeah, be, yeah. we do whatever, and we would, I would just live in it. 
or mm-hmm. I could, I mean, even on my own, I could do that. Or I could, I would play this game with my parents called Invent, where I would just invent something. I'd invent a house, invent a whatever, and I would just describe it, and that thing would be real. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've sort of, in some ways, I've lost that ability not to imagine things, but to sort of live in my imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that comes, it's sort of the trade-off you get for understanding the way that the world, that your mind and the world are sort of connected. You can't extract your mind from the physical world. And once you understand that, I think you lose some ability to live in your imagination. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Because also, nowadays, I feel like everyone wants to be so grounded in the real world rather than in your imagination. Um, And, like, I don't know. The real world really is just, like, a more it's like a imagination but like more complex more standard the real world is still so like unknown still so like not it's like where we are but like reality and imagination to some extent aren't too far apart every what do you think i find really interesting about oh sorry did i just interrupt you well i was just gonna say quickly like perception and reality um, like everything you perceive is what you see is real and imagination is like f- it's like formulating perception you know what I mean you're like tricking yourself to perceive certain things you're, I, I agree although and I think there are interesting things to be said about sort of the nature of the physical world and is it is it is it really different from imagination and, and perception I will say that I find one of the things I find really interesting about sort of the, the way people talk about the real world is a lot of time when people say the real world, they mean things like money mm-hmm. or Amazon yeah. or jobs or, or sort of things that are all invented. You know, there's a writer, um, who, this guy wrote Sapiens, uh, Ferrari, and he talks about this idea that sort of companies and countries and and laws are all imaginations. You know, we are, we have imagined all of these things, and we all dictate our life according to them, mm-hmm. and in lots of ways makes them real. Yeah. But not to get too metaphysical, but they are all sort of social constructs, and so part of what I think about you know, the real world is what people mean by the real world. It's just the things that you're supposed to imagine, you know, the things that capitalism has said, these are the imaginary things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you ask, who do those imaginary things benefit, you know? Who does it benefit to have everyone believe in the president and Amazon and mm-hmm. this trick? And I think the answer, well, you know, it's complicated, but, but I do think there's that question. Yeah. True, and along with imagination, I'd say one thing as a child that changes as you mature a lot is when you're a child, you're so individual and you really are like who you are at the core. And as you get older, you begin to adapt and like reshape yourself to like encompass the traits of those around you and how to like fit in with certain people. Like I find myself like change how I act or speak around certain people to get them to like me more. You know what I mean? 
Like, if I'm if I'm around like a bunch of like ninety year old grandmas named Mildred, um, I'm gonna be like probably talking about my going to college, like in my plans for the future, and like I don't know, like make up some Van Gogh shit and like talk about art or something, um, and like also meeting new people, like. To some extent, I put on a like a front that's different from when I know people well. Um, I feel like everyone does that to some extent, unless if I'm just a complete outlier in doing that. But no, like, you're totally right. No, but I think that is like the trade-off in a lot of ways between childhood and adulthood. Is on the one hand, you you know, you talk to children and they can be very nice and loving and whatever, but they're not very empathetic. They don't really get what's going on in your head or even like that there are things going on in your head and they're not really trying to think about things from your perspective so as you age you gain empathy but because you understand the inside of other people's heads now you also find yourself living in there way too much thinking what do these people think of me what am i talking too loud am i being funny Mm -hmm. am i being active am i being awkward and so you know there's this trade-off of like you gain empathy but at the same time you gain this this sort of fear and anxiety, I think. Yeah. And I find another real trade-off when you get older is, like, forming your own opinions on morality. I find, like, mm. when you're young, you kind of go off of... Well, I feel like you don't really have a complete sense of morality. Um, you do yeah. have to some extent, but not really. Um, and when you get older, you have a sense of morality a lot greater. And sure, that's great in a lot of ways, um... But also I find it to be very harmful because each person has their individual morals. And I find there's a lot of hate created by people seeing thir- seeing certain things in different ways than other people do. And as a result, just like hating them or disliking them for it because like they find that they don't align with their morals. And like when people cross that like moral boundary they see for themselves they're unable to, like, empathize and, like, see in their situation. They only see it, like, relative to their views. You know what I mean? Like, morality is, like... I find people, like... I don't know. I won't say weaponized morality, but, like, kind of, like, create their own right and wrong, and, like, society does, too, create their own right and wrong. And, like, people today try so hard to, like, be right and, like, either don't think of it for themselves... Or, like, don't empathize with other people if they think, like, they've crossed the moral boundaries they or society have set. I totally agree with that. And I think that part of what is important to remember is that, I, I you know, I don't think people are inherently good or evil. This is mm-hmm. another thing that Ezra that was sort of mentioning. But yeah. I think that people, you have to teach people how to behave, how to treat each other how to think of themselves in the world. Just, like, you have to learn empathy. Mm -hmm. You have to learn that, you know, golden rule, moralistic bullshit, as you were saying. You have to learn to sort of have the morals that you have. And so when people do what you're talking about, when they just sort of, like, look at someone and say, you know, oh, that person did X, Y, or Z, that person voted for this person, that person said this thing, I just can't, I can't empathize with them anymore. They're now, like, a non-person in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I get really sort of frustrated because I'm like, don't you see that that's just another human being who has just lived in a totally different 
material and social world. Yeah, yeah. And like all that's happened is that they've been taught differently from you. Yeah. You know they. Yeah, and you see that divide so much online through like social media and all that. Um, and like if you go on like TikTok, for example. Well, I've been trying to limit myself from being on TikTok because it's such an addictive, like, device, like, I don't know. (laughs) It's, like, the most addictive thing possible. It's, like, engineered. (laughs) It's, like, a drug engineered to be most addictive specifically for you (laughs) and just, like, pump out the perfect dopamine that, like... Miles dopamine, Jasper dopamine, whoever. <laughs> you know, speaking of like time, whenever I get on, like I deleted TikTok a bunch of times, but whenever mm-hmm. I download TikTok, I'm like, all right, I'll just see what's happening. And then, like, I feel like I come out of my coma like an hour later. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But first, like, what I was quickly saying before, um, like, if you go in the yeah. comment sections, for example, in like TikTok, or like YouTube or all this stuff, there's just so much arguing and like hatred and like so much like aggression. And I like even see myself like, I don't get involved in all of that, but like I'll be like liking comments or stuff that like follow my views and stuff. Um, as if I'm like making a statement, I'm like, oh, I'll get like really mad or worked up if like someone will like say certain things. Um, And, like, all of that is just, like, kind of ridiculous. And what pisses me off, or rather, like, makes me really sad is, like, how much hate people have when I go on that. Um, And see, like, especially, like, linking it with Christianity, the whole view of hell. um, And, like, wanting people to suffer for eternity. Um, And, like, Christian people will be, like they deserve to go to hell. They deserve to suffer for eternity. And I don't get how people can't grasp. Um, Well, first of all, I want no person to suffer. No matter what, like, they do, I don't really care. I don't want them to suffer. I don't see there being bad people. I see bad effects that can come up. The world's way too, like, shaded to have any black or white, and there's no set morals, so there's nothing like that. Um, And then... Uh-huh. And it just like, makes it feel good. And one thing I really hate about Christianity, or, like, dislike about Christianity, I won't say I hate Christianity, but, like, I really dislike the view of hell and, like, needing there to be a place for people to suffer, and it's really built on hate that people, like, when someone treats someone badly, they find suffice, they find, like, contentment in knowing they will suffer for eternity after, you know what I mean? Like, if someone does something bad to someone, some people will, like, will comfort them and be like, don't worry, they'll go to hell eventually anyways, they deserve that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like... It's just, like, unfathomable to, like, want someone to suffer so horribly, like, um, and, like, desiring that. I don't get that. That just, like, saddens me. Like, that hatred that's built up in our society and, like, and the way that Christianity, like, according to my beliefs, if, um, if you're Christian, you're listening to this, I apologize, because... This might be obnoxious for me to say. Butchering all of the world's religion. Yeah, we'll come back next time. But, um, Christianity, um, I feel like it's almost geared to, like, be addictive, to, like, cater to human hatred. Hell is, like, created to, like, cater to fear to get people to join. Like, if you're not Christian, you'll burn in hell. 
and also to cater to, like, the hatred of people being like, yes, this person was awful to me, now they will suffer eventually. And me, who was good, will go to the happiest place and, like, I don't know, frolic away with my family and lots of money. <laughs> well, that's what I think is so interesting about, I think any religion with a god, inherently there's a desire for a structure that everyone has to obey. It's a desire for kind of justice, you know? Yeah. Like, you're saying, okay, well, if I didn't get, like, there's, Jesus says, like, rich people aren't going to heaven. I'm paraphrasing. It's like, yeah, rich people don't go to heaven. Which, you know, it's really appealing if you're if you're poor and you're listening to this guy because you're like, oh, great, I will get my turn, you know? I will be avenged. There's a lot of, like, vengeance. Yeah. Um, but just to get back to what you're saying about the internet, I think that really ties into this idea of sort of you, you can't have empathy without also understanding your physical place in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think what the internet allows is it lets you detach yourself from your physical place. You never have to mm. look at those people in the eye. You never even yeah. have to know where they are. I mean, you don't even have... You could never see that person in your life, you know? So to you, they're they're not really a human. Yeah. And I think it's, it's honestly the same with, like, you know, that's the problem of, like, people... Like, I'm not going to say that's the problem in politics, because I don't think that's the problem in politics. But I do think that one of the big issues with sort of with humans being able to be convinced to hate each other so easily mm-hmm. is that they just they're so far apart and distant and we live in this world where like someone who lives in Maine has like this say over what happens at the US-Mexico border and it's just mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy yeah yeah that's true what you were saying before too um about like TikTok, I guess, and, like, comments and lack of empathy, I feel like, for me, when, like, someone does something, even if someone does some, like, really horrible thing, I can picture myself, to some extent, like, doing that, too, if I was in a certain situation. Yeah. Like, I... No, I definitely felt, like, the urge to comment things and be like, you fucking idiot. Like, you, you know, understanding of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, and, like, we're more just, like, when people say all this certain stuff, um, like, all this messed up stuff, um, or, like, do certain things that are, like, harmful to other people, I could picture myself in a different life with a different upbringing, with, like, different people, different experiences, all of that, just being that exact same person, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm who I am just because of the experiences it's, like, made me who I am. Like, it's almost like you're a, you, when you're born, you're just like a little ball, and you're like dropped down one of those, like, you know, those tracks with like all these like bumpers along the way, until you land somewhere, which is where you are today, the person you are, and the bumpers are just like all the experiences and people you meet along the way, it's like some set algorithm, and you're like coded to be some person who you are at that very moment, at this very moment, it's like I was just, like, some scripted character written out and, like, slapped down. And, like, if I'm, like, who's to say I'm a good person? I'm just, like, some scripted character. I'm, like, a good person or a bad person in the same way some fictional character is a good person or a bad person. You know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of is, like, a... this This is kind of, like, an abstract and, like... 
um, like almost nihilistic view of things. Um, and I'm not a nihilist by a degree, but like if you think about it that way, it's kind of crazy. And I know I've gone off on lots of tangents about our topic. Um, I know it's like childhood and the passive time, but like you know, there's so many conversations that just spark from like time in general. Um, it's like, so broad. I mean, we haven't even talked about like when is time. Yeah. And, you know, we could spend like a lot of time talking about that. But I do think just this, what you were saying, mm-hmm. there's this idea that I was just listening to this guy talk about sort of simulacra and simulation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to remember the philosopher, but it's this idea that, okay, so the example I like is the, the dime. If you propose to someone, you're probably going to give them a thousand ring, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing. Before the 1950s, there were no diamond ring proposals. That was invented by an ad campaign from a group of diamond sellers trying to sell more diamonds. Really? So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's marvelous. And, and so I find that really crazy, but I also think it's really interesting mm-hmm. because what's going on there is you are imitating an imitation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll do things a lot of the time, like, we'll dress similarly to each other, for instance. We'll talk in similar ways. Humans are very social, we're very adaptive, we adopt each other's culture. But this is totally different, right? Because you're adopting the culture of a human that doesn't exist. The example mm-hmm. the guy uses is of The Bachelor, right? Yeah. In The Bachelor, it's this world of sort of, of tropes. It, there's no real love in The Bachelor. There's no real marriage. There's no real happiness in a lot of people's ways. But it's it's all sort of a simulation. And then we change our life based on that simulation. And I think that really ties into social media. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm on social media and I see someone doing something, like, I, I don't know, whatever it is, I am going, and I'm going to want to do that thing. But in my heart, I know that what they have taken a photo of, it's not their sort of quote-unquote real life. Yeah. Their photo is just a simulation, you know? Mm-hmm. They're taking a photo of this thing that's all staged. And so then I'm making my life, I'm sort of aspiring to live in the way that they have staged their life to be. Yeah. Yeah. What we've been talking about before, um, you know, I brought this point before about how life is just a series of good days. Um yeah. Like, if you just see a picture of someone living one of their greatest days, maybe they only have, like, five yeah. of those days in a year. But if you just yeah. go on Instagram and every time you scroll down, you see another person's one day of the year yeah. that's, like, their special greatest day, then when you have 350 have 364 days a year, you probably have much more great days. But, like, this is just, like, a yeah. example. Like days of just like normal blobbiness like during the covid time when you have when you go through and like see all these all the days like looking like there's some marvelous like magical land you're like oh these people are living their lives where every single day is like that um and like in the video i watched like they're saying like oh like it's very easy to think like celebrities or all these people you might look up to like living like every day is some like crazy magical special experience 
Um, but like they live a lot of the blobby normal days that you do too. And it's like most of life is just those routine normal days. We might talk a little bit later about how to like limit that. Like even though you will live like blobby normal days, there's certain ways to make like every day pretty meaningful. Um, yeah. But like, you no, know, we definitely can. I, I'd love to just, I just sort of, I watched this documentary about Joan Rivers, who mm-hmm. was a comedian, uh, like late night TV all over the place. And it's a very tragic documentary mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because she really, she says, I'm only happy when I'm late night. Mm-hmm. But she also says, I, you know, if I had saved better, if I had lived my life differently, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And there's this weird, weird sort of world. She's caught up in this lifestyle that she really is just, it's so depressing. And Mm -hmm. I think the comedians are just generally unhappy people. Really? (laughs) At the same time, she sort of craves this limelight and this like being on stage. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, we live in this world where we only see one half of that. We only see the, the point where people are happiest and when they're living the most. Yeah. And that presents this really false narrative. And the other thing I'll say about this movie, and it's really, it's a great movie, I recommend it, is that there's this scene where she's talking about her, um, her one of her agents, or manager, a manager who she had to fire. She said, you know, it, it makes me really sad because he was the only person who was there for everything and who I could turn to mm-hmm. and go, who remember when that happened. He was my memory bank. And I think there's something really prescient about that, about sort of part of what makes the passage of time really fearful is this idea that, you know, you don't have anyone to share it with. And so it can be very lonely, you know, especially if, if you lose people, then you sort of, you're also losing the sort of validation of what, what really happened. Yeah. Yeah. And when someone dies, you think about like in your head, you like think, Oh, what about all these memories they could have made with them? Like, it's not just them not being there. It's like the potential for like what I could have gotten at them. There's this real, like, link it back to Buddhism. Um, one of the things about Buddhism that's very important is like, not being attached to other people or to like certain feelings or ideas um and like seeing people as like people rather than like seeing them as potential for memories that you can have it's not about you it's about them sorry you keep cutting out i'm not sure if i'm interrupting you at all no no don't no worries i was just gonna say i totally agree with that and i think um part of what is like really interesting about about like like growing up is you realize that I don't know other people you, you sort of want to you don't just want to be with them because you want to be with them but you you know wanting someone else to be happy is like an experience that you don't you're not born with that you know you really have to grow into that yeah yeah that's so true um like people say give making someone else happy makes yourself happy which i find true in a lot of ways but the kind of trick with that is like to really get yourself in the habit of like really looking out for others and 
in doing so fulfilling yourself we are inherently selfish beings who look to like sustain ourselves um and like it's very difficult like let's say you're starving you have a roll of bread and there's some random kid in front of you who's equally as hungry um and you don't know at all i'd say like most people would eat it themselves or like give that kid like i don't know half of the bread or less Definitely less, probably. Like, I wouldn't say most people would sacrifice their own life to, like, save someone else's if they don't know them at all. And, you know, I think that that's... I think that part of what makes, like, sacrifices important. You know, because I, I firmly believe that all humans are inherently equal, morally, ethically, that we're all deserving of the same things. Mm-hmm. And that... And because of that, you know, I don't think that to sacrifice yourself for someone else is the greatest thing you can do. I just think that everyone needs to have empathy and that that's sort of the most important thing, not just for, you know, other people, but also for you yourself. And like, I think, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about how to make your life worth living and like how to have every day, not just be these same old, like, boring humdrum whatever. I think there are a few things you can do. I think, you know, I mean, there have been a lot of, like, studies on this and how to make yourself happy, but I think the most important ones are really to surround yourself with people, not just who care about you, but who you care about, Mm -hmm. and to be grateful for the things that you, you have. Because, I don't know, I think that there's a lot of beauty in the world that's not just, like, that just comes from being alive. And yeah. so I think you can really, I don't know, this is not to say like, if you're depressed, it's your fault, because that's not true at all. But it is to say, if you, if you, I think there are ways to turn your sort of feelings about the world around mm-hmm. without changing the way that materially that you live by that much yeah yeah um and i find like linking this back to childhood once more i feel like one thing people kind of love about children is like they kind of have no idea of where they're going they like have no real morality they kind of like they kind of like are some like i don't know i i find it kind of like lovable the like lack of direction lack of like maturity they have no i totally agree and i think like the thing that children also have is they're not worried about wasting their time you know children are not they're not there's no fomo with kids Mm -hmm. because sort of tense to do the things that they want to do in the moment regardless of the things that are going on around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Like, um, yeah. As a child, I feel like there was so much, you know, you know the saying, less is more? Of course you know that saying. Um, I feel like that relates a lot to childhood. Not just contentment, but also, like, how small your world is as a child that's like kind of all the greater to you there's something like beautiful and great about like um 
about like living in your own small world and like not having to like think about all these larger things. I totally agree. You know, this is what I was sort of saying about um, these this idea of creating desire through like advertising and modernity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, we live in this world now where everyone is trying to get you to to want their things, to to buy, 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 want more, and. I think the point is not that it's better to have less. I think the point is that it's better to want less, you know? Mm-hmm. And that I think you're happier not when you have fulfilled all your needs, but when you have gotten rid of the needs that that are unfulfillable, that are just, that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you say as you get older, you just need more? inherently would you say that um i mean would you say that one of the keys to happiness is as you get older trying to become more content with what you have as you begin to need to desire more otherwise i think you know people are always told at least in in america to desire things i don't think it's a i don't think it accumulates as you get older i just think the difference is the older you get, the sort of, maybe the more you come to terms with the fact that that is not going to bring you happiness. And I think some people turn around, they turn into that, mm-hmm. and they say, well, I'm just going to fight it. I'm going to acquire more and more and more. And I think some people look at that and they take it as a chance to sort of understand themselves and to say, well, this isn't making me happy. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that... I think that the thing about being young in this day and age is you feel like this responsibility to sort of plan your life out. And I will say that the thing that, like, okay, have you ever seen that? You know, you've seen Apple commercials, right? Um, so Apple some commercials. They're, they're beautiful, you know? They've got, they're very sparse and clean. They've got lots of young, hip-looking people with, like, something like grandma but they've got all these young people with like their fucking iPhones and their dongles and their dangles whatever and they're listening to like you know whatever they're listening to these days like hip hop like Sugar Hill Gang or something and um no but they're 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 designed to appeal to young people Mm -hmm. because young people to buy their things and so I don't I just think there's something like I do think that when you get older you you sort of fall into this listless state often, or at least some people do, but I also think that young people are most likely to be victims of this idea that I need to buy, I need to I need to own more, I need to create my brands, you know? Mm-hmm. And do you think it's healthy to not want more stuff in your life? That's kind of what I was asking before, too. Like, do you think it's actually a healthy thing to, like, not be looking for more, like, materially? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think pretty much, like, the healthiest thing that you can do is not define yourself mm-hmm. by you know? So yeah, like, yeah. There are a lot of people who are really into shopping for clothes, and that's totally fine. And, like, if you are like, oh, I really like looking this way or that way, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you sort of define yourself by that or buy whatever you buy. I think that 
you end up with this sort of void that's really hard to fill. And I think that like it's really important to to create things that are sort of that make you happy and sort of fulfilled and content and give you the mm-hmm. sense of well being other than consuming. Yeah. Cause there's um well here's the thing. There's fulfillment of like the body and there's like fulfillment of the mind. The body can only like you can only get so much fulfillment like through like the gains of society like you know what i mean like through capitalist society through like wealth um wealth drugs sex that's only so much yes. and if all your joy all your pleasure is coming from those three things then you won't be able to obtain the same amount that you can from so much else. And the other harmful thing about um, drug, sex, wealth, whenever you get it, it's never fulfilling. It's never fulfilling enough. It's just like addiction, like with dopamine or anything else. Once you reach it, you just always want more. You never reach the same contentment you can get with getting like um, the mental contentment. And when you're a child, link it back to childhood and all of that, you are naturally content with with that stuff. And for you, you don't have sex, money, drugs. You, none of that is stuff you're thinking about. You're not, like, focused on, like, reaching peace with your mind, but also that's because you don't really need to. Your problems are kind of, like, just directly in front of you. There's no future to fear. There's no past to regret. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think what sex money and maybe drugs all have in common is that they give you this sort of social capital. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's important to ask ourselves, why do we want it? Do we want it because we're being told to want it? Or do we want it because, you know, we really, we want it for whatever reason. Do we want to live in this house because we want to live in this house or because it's on the market for some number that makes us feel good. Do we want to marry this person because we love them or because et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do think that's true. I think it goes a little deeper than what you're saying, also in terms of like the addiction aspect of it, like how you were saying you're never fulfilled in terms of buying um, yeah. you're never fulfilled in, like, any sense when it, like, comes to, like, um, the only way to reach fulfillment is really through the mind, um, from what I've, like, heard and, like, seen through, like, research and hearing people talk, like, no, I, I, I totally subscribe to that. It, yeah, everything in life, sure, like, everything in life is good in moderation, um, but, like, yeah. But you can only get so much happiness from, like, the body. The mind is really, like, like, I don't know how to fully explain it. No, I actually really agree with that. This idea that, like, you can sort of, the, the pleasure that you derive from something can, will decrease over time and yes. turn your happiness increase. Exactly. And I think that, you know, with the mind, there's none of that sort of you're not tying your happiness to, to physical pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of really liberates you. Exactly. That's what I meant to say. Like, um, any joy you feel from, like, joys of the body will fade over time, um, and you'll never feel fulfilled fully. It, it won't be lasting fulfillment. 
but when you get your mind to a certain point, um, like being at peace with your life and where you are, that can be something that lasts forever. We've only brushed the surface of this immense topic, but I feel like we've said a lot already. Um, lots of interesting stuff. Any last remarks before you head out? Uh, only that I hope you'll have me back on as soon as possible. This or anything else again. So thanks for having me. Well, for sure. It was great to have you. Hopefully, next time we can talk in person um, so we won't have to deal with any technical difficulties. I can see your beautiful face face to face, my good friend. Yeah. So until, until next time, I hope you have a marvelous night. Um, I hope, well, actually, I don't hope it rains because it's being, <laughs> it's being quite crazy right now in New York in terms of rain and all that um, with the tropical storm, but I hope you have a peaceful, restful night, and I hope your time passes slowly and peacefully.